Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Wednesday, Galatians 5 and verse 22. Amen. Maybe by the time we get done the series, everybody will be able to quote these verses since we read them every, every Sunday. Amen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, the Bible says. This morning, after having this huge introduction, it would seem like getting to the fruit of the Spirit, I want to speak to maybe a a, a subject matter that's a well-worn path, but maybe not so much for others as it may be for you. I want to talk about love this morning if we may. I've talked about love in the past. I'll probably talk about love in the future. Amen. But we're going to just go here one more time today. Uh, The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says, is love. Lord Jesus, I thank you today, God, for us, Lord, being here. God, those that have gathered together in this place this morning. God, we come to surrender ourselves for the next few moments, God, to your word, the teaching of your word. I pray, oh God, that you're able to help every heart and mind God, as we walk, Lord, a path, Lord, that for some may be familiar. Help us, Lord Jesus, to approach it as though it's unfamiliar. God, to each and every one of us, that we can glean something from this, Lord, and we'll be appreciative, God, for what you do and say in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name. You have to deal with me maybe hacking just a little bit today, coughing. Amen. Just overlook it listen through it amen concerning the whole subject matter if I can just kind of introduce the subject of love and where we're going today we're talking about the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit and fruit throughout the old and the new testament but probably more so in the new testament is a common subject matter that we find in the scriptures frequently spoken of in the bible is the subject matter of fruit It appears in the Old Testament about 106 times, the word does. And about 70 times in the New Testament, the word fruit is spoken of. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, 24 out of 27 of the books in the New Testament talk about the subject matter of fruit. And again, I think it's important, and we said this a few few weeks ago, but it bears repeating The Apostle Paul, whenever he wrote the scriptures there of Galatians 5, he did not say, as we oftentimes misquote, he did not say the fruits, plurality, the fruits of the Spirit, meaning as though there were portions of fruit that may be present in a believer where there may other portions not present. I spoke to you several weeks ago where the Bible speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not as though a person's going to have love and temperance and no gentleness and goodness since all of this belongs to and pertains to the spirit when you receive the spirit of the Lord that fruit then is there with that it's kind of just hand in glove and so to some degree and some measure those 
those things are going to be found. There is only, if I could say it like this, there is only one fruit of the Spirit. But this one fruit contains a lot of different facets, a lot of different facets, a lot of different uh, 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 colorations, if you will, of it. It's almost kind of, if we could put it in our minds to, to make it most similar, it would almost be like a cluster of grapes. There's only one fruit there. It's a grape, but there's just a, a lot of individual things on that cluster. And, and so that is the fruit of the Spirit. And if one is missing, if one of, of those things that are mentioned are missing, meekness or peace, if one of those are missing, then we could very well speak of that uh, individual does not have the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is a blending of these nine facets or these nine virtues together to make the fruit of the Spirit. And in contrast to the works, everybody say works, the works of the flesh is that the works of the flesh are, are plural. They speak of in the plurality, which the fruit is one. And so there's nine, as are listed in the Scripture, there's nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit and whenever you read then the works of the flesh, there is listed about 17. Now, I am, I am not confident. I am not confident in either regard, whether you're talking about the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not confident that either of those is an exhaustive list, particularly the works of the flesh because the Bible says, and such like. And then also concerning the fruit of the Spirit, it even speaks against such whether it's just speaking of the nine or there is even more uh, than nine that pertains to the Spirit. But if we look at it just by virtue of there's 17 as listed in Scripture, works of the flesh and nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit, there is almost, there's almost a two-to-one ratio. In other words, man, it didn't take no work for Paul to just begin writing all the works of the flesh and start making a list there. Amen. And got 17 very easily and very quickly and could have went on. And then the nine manifestations, almost a two to one ratio. And I'm not saying this, just this for sure means that, but it's interesting to ponder then why it may be so easy to give in to walk in the flesh rather than to walk into the spirit. Amen. Why, why it may be easy to do the deeds after the flesh more so than the things of the Spirit. Now, the word fruit in and of itself, it means it can be used in its literal sense to refer to a fruit or to a produce or to an offspring, but it's described in such a way that it is something that is produced by a living organism. In other words, fruit is something that must come from something living. Uh, you could go to a factory today and a factory works very hard. A machine perhaps in a factory in particular would work very hard to turn out some type of product from its work and from its effort. But it could never manufacture fruit unless it was artificial. It could never manufacture a real genuine fruit because fruit must grow out of life. It must grow out of something that is living. And so in the case of each of us being believers with the Spirit of God dwelling in us, the living Spirit, might I say, of God living inside of us, it can bear forth them fruit in our life. As a matter of fact, the Bible, the writer of Hebrews, which some don't know who it is, I tend to believe that it was the Apostle Paul, but in Hebrews, the flesh and the works of the flesh, he speaks of them as dead works. But whenever you see the Spirit and its fruit, it is more so colored through the lens of being a living fruit. Living in so much, if you'll remember, 
Back in the beginning, the Bible, in the book of Genesis, the Bible speaks about them there being fruit trees and they're yielding for fruit. And the Bible says whose seed is in itself. The fruit is so living that it doesn't just stop with it, but it has within itself the ability to reproduce itself. The ability to reproduce itself because the seed is inside of it. And so when by a very practical means we talk about fruit and the characteristics of fruit, Number one, fruit isn't achieved by working. As we said, I think in our first 11, fruit is achieved by abiding. Amen. More particularly, abiding in him, as the scripture said, and he in us. Also, fruit has a tendency, it can be fragile. I mean, the flesh on fruit, you know, my mom always said, man, we're carrying in groceries, and she was just big over this. You know, whether it be apples, peaches, it didn't matter. Don't you drop those on the floor, you're going to bruise that, and all that type of stuff. You know, you know, even an apple, she would say that. And I know it's a little bit more rigid than a peach, but that's just, that's just mom. Don't, don't you drop, because it, it's in, to a certain degree fragile. It has the ability, as I said, to reproduce itself. Fruit must to a certain degree have a, a sense of attractiveness to it. Right? I mean, how many times you, you just walk through the, the produce aisle of a store and those, those colors and those shapes you know, are calling out to you. And it must have some a type of attractiveness to it because it caught Eve's attention in the beginning. Although we don't know what type of fruit it is, I know they often paint it as an apple, but we don't know what type of fruit it was. Amen. They, they used to say it wasn't the apple that got Adam and Eve in trouble. It was the pear on the ground, meaning, apple and Eve, meaning Eve and Adam. But nevertheless, we don't know what it was, but it was attractive enough. And fruit then brings some type of nourishment some type of nourishment. It offers some, brings some type of nourishment into the body. And for the most part, it is produced, namely, it's, it's produced for the purpose of reproducing itself, but thank God for humanity then, it's produced for us that it may be eaten, that it may give nurturing and nourishment to us. What I'm trying to say is, fruit was never meant to come on a tree just for the sake of being a display to admire. It was for reproduction of itself, but it was also for nourishment for those that were around it. And I say that to say this this morning, it's vitally important as Christians that we have producing in our lives by the Holy Ghost, the fruit of the Spirit. And the reason why I say that is this, is because there's a starving generation that is around us. And I find in the list of the fruit of the Spirit that they are starving for many of those components that are found in the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, you, you, it doesn't take you a very long walk down the road to start to realize that there are people out there that are needing and starving for love, needing and starving for joy or for peace. They're looking for gentleness and goodness, needing some representative in their life that can show forth to them some long-suffering. And so it's not, just, it's not just that this is being produced in my life for me to look at you and you to look at me and say, good job, buddy, that looks good, you're looking nice. Yeah, I love this lusciousness that's all over your life. No, 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 it's for the purpose that it may be of some benefit, not just to ourselves, but to those that are about us. See, there's some people that is never going to come in contact with that unless it's by virtue of your life and my life because the fruit belongs to the spirit amen 
It belongs to the Spirit. Christ, I understand, is no longer walking among us in shoe leather, but he's a walking among us through your life and my life. Amen. They no longer can go up and touch Christ, per se, or receive some type of compassion from him by him and his physical form, per se, but they can through your hands and they can through your voice and by the fruit then that you produce in your life. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is. Everyone say is. Is. It's a verb that's in the present tense, meaning that this process of fruit bearing is not a one-time deal. This process of fruit bearing is continuous. You would not think much if you had a orange tree, a little orange grove tree in your yard. You planted it. It matured enough that it bore some oranges. And then for the rest of its lifetime, it never bore another orange you would be scratching your head a little bit because once it begins bearing fruit at the proper time in the proper season, it should bear fruit again. And so in our own lives, this is not like, well, I showed, I showed them patience once. I had long suffering. Done deal. No, it, it, the fruit of the Spirit is. It's a continual producing of these things. It's not like God has this big chart with the nine different manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit and whenever that happens once in your life, he checks it off and it's like, all right, let's go forward. Let's go on to goodness, you know. No, it's that these things are constantly, why? Because within themselves is the ability to reproduce. They're constantly being reproduced in our life, amen, as we stay in connection and contact with the Spirit. Someone say Amen. And so there's been various people and scholars that try to look at the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them, uh, nine, nine of these facets, nine of these manifestations. And they've tried to take different, like love, joy, and peace and group them together and the next three and group that together. And they, they've said, well, you know, these three, that, that's concerning our duty and our relationship with God. Or these three over here, that concerns our duty and our relationship to our fellow man or to ourselves and so on and so forth. And I've read enough of that just to make me scratch my head. Oh, these three are for upward and these three are for sideward and these three for inward. I think really, the, 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 I don't know. Maybe I'm just not smart enough. But I don't know if you can draw a concrete line and say, well, love and joy and peace, that's all about your relationship and your duty to God. I don't know if you can draw a concrete line like that. Because I see in my life that not only is that concerning my duty in relationship to God, but that also concerns my duty in my relationship with you. And that also concerns a lot of times that duty in relationship inside myself because I need some internal peace and joy. And, something, and, and there's a lot of people that will love other people, but they can't love themselves. And so I don't know if we can draw a concrete line about this group, this group, and that group. I think that we would be safe to say that all nine, all nine of these manifestations, they all relate to our relationship to God and our relationship to one another and our relationship to ourselves. At varying times in our life, that may happen, but they all relate. And so firstly this morning, if we can get into this, amen, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And there are four, four distinct words used throughout the Bible for love. One of them was called eros, was the word for a romantic or passionate love. It might be a love that you have experienced with, with your mate or your spouse, a romantic or passionate type of love. Or, or for those that are uh, fiancés or 
girlfriend, boyfriend that they may experience in their relationship. Philia was the word that was used for the love we have for those that are near to us or dear to us. It's kind of like a family and friend type love type of love that you would display to family and friends then there is the storage not storage but storage love which is the word for love that shows itself in affection and in care amen many times even in family affection but lastly there was the agape love as a matter of fact they had all these different uh, words for love in the the, the greek culture uh, except for agape until it came to the religious world because none of the other words for love, eros, philia, storage, none of those could encompass or could explain the type of love that God had for his people. They, all of those lacked. All of those did not uh, totally portray the type of love that God had for his people. So with that, there was another word that was created in the Greek language that was called the agape love. Because the agape love, outside of all these other types of love, was an attitude of selflessness selflessness the biblical agape love was a matter of love that mattered it was a matter of the will and it wasn't a matter of what you felt or the emotion you had agape love the love that was portrayed in that meant this it was a love that went forward but didn't necessarily have to be reciprocated amen I would dare to say that in romantic love, this is how people fall in and out of love, per se, because they have a life built solely upon the foundation of a romantic or passionate love. I'm not in love with them anymore. You ask why, they say because he or she did this or that or, or are not doing this or that. See, that's a love that's asking for something in return. That's a love that's selfish, that says, I did this, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. That's that type of love. But the love of God, the love of God, amen, is a love that gives without the anticipation of receiving anything in return. Amen. And as a matter of fact, and, I, I, and this is not, we're not getting to marriage, not trying to make anybody afraid, but the agape, the love that's spoken of in Ephesians 5 between a husband and a wife, you know what it speaks about? It doesn't speak about a romantic, passionate love. You know what the word is for that? The love in Ephesians 5 between a man and a woman, the agape love of God. Amen, that shows forth a love that says this is not based upon emotion. Amen, this is based upon an act of will. Amen, an act of will. I choose to love them. Now here's the wonderful thing. You can have more than one of these loves as a part of your life. You can have agape love and romantic love. I would say the romantic, passionate side of love, you have this feeling. Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. But the agape love keeps your feet planted because you choose to continuously love in the moments when we would call somebody unlovable. Amen. Someone say amen. So the agape love that is demonstrated by the life of Christ is a love that gives and does not have to get in return. How so? Well, what is it? What does the Bible say concerning the love of God? That while we were yet, what? Sinners. Why were yet sinners? Christ died for us and the scripture says greater love hath no man than this that he would lay down his life for his friends so if his love was demonstrated by laying down his life he laid down his life for sinners 
who were doing contrary to his word, contrary to the law, contrary to what he would hope and support, he's not getting anything out of this relationship to begin with. Not getting anything out of this relationship to begin with. But he chose to love them. Did he just have a great feeling and emotion? I, I, I don't know, but he had a will of choice that he was going to love us. Amen. And, and God loving us was simply just not a feeling. Amen. That he would send his son into the world to redeem the world. That was a selfless giving. That was a selfless giving. Here you go. Love concerning agape love is always, listen, always, boom, Always is a big word. I tell my kids all that all the time. They say sometimes, Mariah was talking last night, sometimes we flip a coin about who's going to get cleaned up first and all that stuff or trying to remember who went fast. Well, they went last, last time and blah, blah. So I said, I'm going to flip the coin. And she's usually tells and Trevor's heads. And she says, Dad, it always lands on tells because whoever it lands on, that's who goes. And I said, always is a big word. I know it's just a few letters, but it's a big word. That means there's never been an opportunity. I flipped the coin and it landed on Trevor. And so, but I'm using this big word this morning. It's a million-dollar word called always. Love concerning God is always selfless and always giving. Always selfless and always giving. It's, it's in the very nature of the love of God to deny himself and to give to others. And so when we receive the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ in us, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That type of love. That caliber of love. It's not that when we receive the Spirit of Christ, we receive a love different than what His Spirit had. No. But we receive that type of love. And so that's initiated inside of our life. Look, the love, the agape love, is initiated in the lover and not in the object love. The love that is portrayed is not based upon the value of the one being loved. It's based upon the lover, the one doing the loving. And that's, that's where the great, the great burden of all this falls on our shoulders because as human beings in our flesh, we have the tendency to love things that deserve loving. Mm -hmm. We love things that deserve loving or things that will reciprocate the love that we have given and be like a boomerang and it'll boomerang back to us but the love of God says there is really no value here in loving that there is no kickback in loving that but there is will of choice that I'm loving this not because of them but because of me I'm the lover I'm going to be selfless and I am going to give someone say amen and so Christ shows us this again and again in the scripture Amen. And I, one of the reasons I believe it would be the first quality, the first manifestation of this fruit of the Spirit is because I think it bears very well then of our relationship and our connectivity unto God. Because we cannot know anything about the agape love of God without knowing God or knowing someone that knows Him. You hear me? The Bible says, John says in 1 John, Sister McGee, if you can get this for me, 1 John chapter number 4 in verses 8 and 9. 1 John chapter number 4, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. 
verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So we cannot know anything about this love unless we know God or know somebody that are actively allowing him to work through them. With that being said today, I know this is very simple, but it's also very important and valid. The world outside of the church does not know God's love unless we introduce them to him and more importantly, introduce them to him through us. They are without hope and without opportunity. You're saying, Brother McGee, there's people out there that love each other. Yes, they have romantic love. They have family love and affection. But not the love that I'm speaking to you about this morning that only comes from the Spirit. The love that's without attachments. The love that's without having to have any value in the thing being loved. The only way they know that is through God and more particularly through God working in us. He said he sent, he sent his son down so that he could live through us and we could live through him. Look, that we might live through him, but it's not just that we're living through him because he's living through us as we spoke a few weeks ago. Him living through us allows us to share that love then with those who are what? Starving for that type of love. Desiring that type of love. The Bible continues to tell us in 1 John. 1 John is a very good book if you want to read concerning love. He tells us even on all of this that we, we love God because we were first a recipient of God's love. Uh, you know, the terminology, and I know there may be good intentions in all of this, but it troubles me a little bit. People talk about they accepted Christ. Listen, you'd never be able to per se accept Christ if Christ didn't accept you first. Amen. You know, it, it's, we got to get it right today because he came down only gave us the avenue where we could make our approach to him. Because he came down only made the avenue where we, we could come and love and put our affection upon him. And so, so we have this love that is of God, amen, and from God. And we adopt that into our lives when we receive the spirit of God, amen. And so Christ, by virtue, is the truest example of this love. No one can touch him being the example of love because the Bible says plainly he is love. And the reason why this is the first manifestation, I believe, because if you've received the Spirit, one of the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit, a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit is the love that will be coming from your life. Amen. Someone say amen. And it's important. We talked about the law a little bit, the Galatians and all this, thinking that they had to serve under the idea and the concept of the law and be in bondage, if you will, to the law. But they received a freedom whenever they started walking in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Galatians 5, the chapter that we've been reading from, Galatians 5 and verse number 13, namely, this is what the Bible says. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh but look now by love serve one another look at verse 14 for all the law everybody say all all the law is fulfilled it's accomplished in one everybody say one word 
even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now look, that's a phrase. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's a sentence, that's a phrase. But he's saying the whole law is fulfilled in one word and then he tells us a phrase. But what is the word that's in the phrase that Paul is, is, is particularly underscoring? He's underscoring that word called love. He said all the law. He said, you Galatians, you thinking you can do this and keep it in your own flesh? He says it'll be fulfilled and accomplished by one thing, love. What type of love? Not eros love, not, not, not family love, but love, the love of God type of love. The love that's not asking for anything in return type of love. It's all fulfilled in that one word, love. This is how powerful love is. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians, chapters namely 12 and 14, it's in those chapters there is a lot of conversation that is being taken on and talked about concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Talking about people prophesying, words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Talking about being used in all these. And, and I think with a longing eye sometimes, as members of a church in a congregation, when we see someone uh, come and are used maybe in the gift of prophecy or word or wisdom, and we almost, with a longing eye, think, man, that's pretty cool. That, that is neat. Almost something to be coveted. And the Bible says that we should ask for the best gifts. Something to be coveted. And that's grand. And, and it should be so. And I'm, I am by sure not standing here today preaching against that. The word, the word supports it. And I, I stand under the support of the word. Amen. Then we should have that. But there's something concerning this concept of love. But while they're talking about gifts of, gifts of healing and gifts of miracles and how tremendous all these things are, the Bible then opens up with 1 Corinthians 13 tucked between chapter 12 and 14 talking about gifts of tongues and interpretation, all these things. And he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, love. He said, I become as a sounding brass in a tinkling cymbal. He says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries. He said, and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And he said, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not, what is it? Charity. It profiteth me nothing. So the writer is saying, as you're looking with a longing eye of gifts of prophecy and words of wisdom and words of knowledge and being able to operate in the gift of faith or gift of healings and all those things and we ask for you to please do so. He says, if you accumulate all of that and you've not yet got love, he says, then all of that pales in great comparison to what you've not yet had achieved in your life. Amen. And so before we start longing, my God, I'll tell you what I'm going to, I feel like it felt like a GD right there. You know, I'm going to, you know, message in tongues. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm seeking the face of God. God, help me, Lord, to interpret tongues or be a messenger of tongues. And it's okay to pray for all those things. But if we're doing that and have not achieved the fruit of the spirit of love, being born, we got the cart before the horse. We got the cart before the horse. What we need then first and foremost, according to Paul, he says we need this charity. We need this love first and foremost. He said there abide of three. He said there's faith, there's hope, and there's love. But he says the greatest of these three, he says, is love. Amen. Someone say amen. 
John 15, Sister McGee, be mindful of your, mind, your time. I won't transgress here. John 15 and verse 12. Jesus, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. Here is the way, the condition, the example, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Here's the, he said, here, here's, this is my commandment. You love one, you love one another. Okay, I undo that, God. I undo that. I love them whenever I feel like loving them. Undo, no, 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 no. Here's the condition. Like I love. It's predicated on how I, how I love. So I'm not talking about family love. I'm not talking about love driven by emotion. I'm talking about love driven by will. And more so than that, he said, I laid down, here he is, selfless. Here he is, giving my life for my friends. Now, this is a bold statement. Someone said this. I'm not sure who. This is a bold statement. They said, if you're still alive, then you still have something left to give. If you're still alive, then you still have something to live. You're still capable of loving you're still capable of loving amen now again this starting us out here this idea this concept of love if we were to go back to the list of the works of the flesh many of the works of the flesh in light of this first manifestation of the fruit of the spirit love many of them are violations or perversions of love whenever you start looking at the list of the works of the flesh and you see adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lewdness that that folks in many in many ways is a counterfeit of the love of what God would show unto people when you look at idolatry and you look at sorcery they're they're counterfeits of the love of God Whenever you read of hatred and contentions and all these other things, they're, they're not love of all. In many respects, if, if you could call it, they're almost opposites, if you will, of love. When you look at drunkenness and revelings and things like that, they're just sad attempts to fill a void that only love. Drunkenness is a very sad attempt to fill a void that only love can fill. Anything else along that line is a sad attempt to do what only love can do. Amen. And so biblical love in all terms is always going to be sacrificial. Everybody say sacrificial. And so Christ said, though, concerning his disciples in John 13, 35, he said, here's going to be the demarcation upon your life that people know that you are my disciples, that you belong to me. He says, by this we'll all know that you are my disciples. If you have love, that's the word agape, the, 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 the power to choose that love, one for another he said that that's going to be the badge that's going to be the demarcation of discipleship upon your life how why god because that would not be possible if you didn't have your spirit inside of me romans 5 5 tells us that the love of god was shed abroad in our hearts by what by the holy ghost and so it goes hand in glove how this manifestation of the fruit of the spirit begins with love because it belongs to the spirit he said that love is shed abroad in your heart it only happens listen it only happens by the holy ghost the holy spirit when you receive the baptism of christ inside of you that will ultimately take place in your life now 
I'll stand because I don't want to be a liar. Stand with me. love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost just one manifestation just one manifestation of his spirit living inside of us and here again as we spoke in previous weeks do we always get it right no and sometimes it takes other people in our life I know we're not supposed to compare ourselves among ourselves that's not wise the Bible says sometimes I can tell that maybe I've missed the mark living more in the flesh than in the spirit when my wife can be loving toward a circumstance or a situation I'm a little hard nosed a little like forget this what am I learning in that moment I'm learning that she may be walking in the spirit a little bit better that day than I am because in reflection I can say you know what that's exactly the way it should have been done that's the way it should have been approached that's the attitude that should have been had because the love of God is not placing the value in what's been loved he's just making a choice he's being selfless he's not asking for anything in return he's doing it while spit's coming upon him from the mouth that the spit came from he's choosing to love them while the while the scourging is taking place from Pilate and pieces of his flesh is being ripped, he's still loving. Now that's hard, folks. That is hard. And that there shows such a high... Sh- Man, that's a shelf. Can anybody reach that shelf? That's, that's kind of high. And that's where we go back to again. It's not about you doing it. It's about Christ's Spirit doing it through you. Because for McGee, that is on a shelf that I can't reach. That's on a shelf I can never attain to. I'm telling you right now, in my flesh, that is on a, it better be on the ground. That, that is on a level I cannot attain to. But if I can have God's spirit inside of me and nurture and maintain that spirit, there will be things that happen in your life that you thought you would never be able to do. And you know what it's a testament to? It's a testament to the one that you've invited into your life called the Lord Jesus Christ. Enabling you to give, enabling you to be selfless, enabling you to love the way that he would desire for each of us to love today. If we can bow our heads across this building this morning, hallelujah, I'm challenging each of us this week as we go about our daily lives. I'm asking you this week, whenever you're choosing to love or to disembrace from loving I'm asking you to just stop in a moment of doing that and ask yourself these questions am I choosing to be selfless am I am I expecting something in return or am I just making a conscious choice of will that says in spite of what they may be doing or how things may be going I'm not asking for anything in return I'm just going to love them. And and with a little stop and a little evaluation, we're going to soon find out, are we living in the spirit? Are we trying to live in the flesh? It'll help us in our everyday lives. God, I want to be 
And I want that old song. I know you might have some. I want to be the way he wants me to be. You remember that old song? I want to be the way he wants me to be. Can that be our prayer here in the close of the service? God, I want to live the way you want me to live. I want to be the way you want me to be. Can someone lift their hand right now? God, that's my desire. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.